straighten me, a clean heart, O God. Let me be like you in all my ways. Give me your strength, teach me your song, shelter me in the shadow of your wings. For we are your righteousness. If we die to ourselves and live through your death, then we shall be born again to be blessed in your love. Lord, open our lips and our mouth shall show forth thy praise. God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. Psalm 51. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love. According to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not want a sacrifice or I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart, God. In your good pleasure, cause Zion to prosper. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. Amen. First reading is from Joel, chapter 2, beginning at the 12th verse. Even now this is the Lord's declaration. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Tear your hearts, not just your clothes. And return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and he relents from sending disaster. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him so you can offer grain and wine to the Lord your God. Blow the horn in Zion, announce a sacred fast, proclaim an assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, gather the infants, 
even babies nursing at the breast. Let the groom leave his bedroom and the bride her honeymoon chamber. Let the priests, the Lord's ministers, weep between the portico and the altar. Let them say, have pity on your people, Lord, and do not make your inheritance a disgrace, an object of scorn among the nations. Why should it be said among the peoples, where is their God? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Second reading comes from Second Peter, chapter 1. May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you will never stumble for in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The gospel reading comes from Matthew chapter 6. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have the reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, happy Ash Wednesday. Happy Lent. It's the beginning of the 40 days. It's the beginning of our journey towards the cross. It's the beginning of our time as we meditate on the understanding of what God has done for us. That is the movement of Lent. It's this moment in time in which Jesus has set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. He, he steeled himself 
to go to Jerusalem, to that cross for you. And so Ash Wednesday is a day in which we are reminded of the necessity of this Jesus because we're reminded, for instance, that we are dust and to dust we shall return. That is a, that is a phrase that we should have uh, embedded in our craniums all of our life. If we under, truly understood our mortality, if we truly understood the extreme sinfulness of our sin to the point that the wages of sin is death, that everyone dies and it proves to us that none of us is more holy than the other, I wonder how the world would look. I wonder if war would be happening between Russia and Ukraine, right? This understanding that we are dust, and yet those wars are happening. That war is happening because one man, or maybe a collection of men, either one fear their fellow man in Europe, NATO, wherever else, or they desire for a past that no longer exists. And that's the way it actually goes for us as Christians. We spend the majority of our lives as sinners trying to hold on to a past that no longer exists. We think that what defines us is either our own glory, which our own glory was put to death on that cross and left in the grave, or we cling to our past thinking, I am sucky, I'm horrible. I'm, I'm the worst of the worst. And so we never look to the hope that is Jesus Christ. We try to flaunt it in some ways, but we never look to it. We might see it as a, an accessory, but we never see it as a necessity. And so we're handed texts like Psalm 51. We began by this, with this chant that, that John Michael Talbot wrote. Uh, it's this gorgeous uh, sort of paraphrase of Psalm 51 and Psalm 51 itself, which most of us know, this, this desire for God to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, this desire for God to give us a clean heart. Why? Because we know we do not have one. And so Ash Wednesday becomes this place where we hear this text and it opens up for us and we say, okay, God, do what you are going to do because I can't. I can't. Whether it be my sins against my fellow man, things that have already happened and I can't go back and erase history, or my sins against God himself, because I've given him the finger. I've turned my face away from him. I've despised what he's offered to me. Joel is this beautiful text in which it tells us to stop putting on the facade, stop going through the motions, stop feeling this necessity to tear your garments rather than your hearts. And it's a beautiful phrase to call us to such a repentance in which we feel the grief over our sin. We feel the grief over our lack of faith, our mistrust in God, and yet we're told that it's to happen so that no one can say that God does not exist, right? How To do it so that no one will say, where is their God? When we find out that our God is one who comes to the sinner and redeems them. And so we're told to rend our hearts, not our garments, because we don't want to put up some sort of facsimile Jesus, some sort of facsimile repentance, some sort of facsimile Christianity. Instead, we need to truly allow the word of God to do its work to convict us so that we know our Jesus even more.
and he becomes precious to us. That second Peter text, right, offers up to us the, the, the glories of what we are supposed to be doing with that faith, understanding that we are in need of things like endurance and godliness and humility because we need those things that we need to keep our eyes on Christ too, knowing that it is from him that we receive our life and salvation. And then finally in our gospel reading for Ash Wednesday, uh, we have Jesus uh, putting to death the religiosity of ourselves. Jesus stealing away from you your religion and handing him, handing you himself, right? Telling you to not practice your righteousness in front of people. We shouldn't be applauding all the great things that we are doing in some way, shape, or form because somehow we think it makes us better. Somehow we think it makes us a, a, a good person or somehow that, that we, we are forcing God to look down on us and smile. Instead, we're told to do everything in secret, to trust that it makes no difference to God, that Christ's price that he paid on the cross to bring us back to God, to bring us peace, to pay for our sins, to wash them away, to drown them in his blood, to bury them in the grave was all enough. And there's no necessity for us to try and make ourselves better, to try and justify ourselves in our own eyes or in the eyes of the world or in the eyes of God. And the same with our prayer. That's why I love the Lord's Prayer. We've talked about this before. We had a whole series on the Lord's Prayer this last fall. How the Lord's Prayer lays faith at the heart of our prayers, in which so many times we want to bring as many petitions as we can. And yet the Lord's Prayer sums it up all perfect for us, in that it causes us to have to trust that when we say, forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us, that we believe that it will happen. That we ask him not to lead us into temptation, we believe that it will happen. To deliver us from evil, that we trust that it will be true without having to name any of that evil, giving it a first name instead, just saying evil, please get rid of it. That he might give us daily bread, whatever that looks like for us each day, what it is that we need. All those things to trust, that we don't have to babble along but instead he's going to hear us when we pray. And then the same with our fasting, the same with any other portion of our religiosity, the same with our money, the same with our possessions, all these things. The goal of Lent is to turn our eyes, our minds, our hearts to Jesus above all else. So that's our prayer as we enter into Lent. I pray that these 40 days, not counting Sundays, remember, Sundays are feast days, these 40 days might be a time in which you don't sit here and think about, well, I'm gonna give up chocolate for Jesus because you know Jesus needs my chocolate. And instead, I'm going to have Christ be ever in front of me, to see him broken, dying on that cross, but then also see that empty tomb knowing that the price has been paid and that I might rest in the knowledge of the gift that he has given me through his blood, through his sacrifice, through those words, it is finished and might be able to actually trust that when he said it, it was true. 
Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, you hate nothing you have made, and you forgive the sins of all who are penitent. Create in us new and honest hearts, so that truly repenting of our sins, we may obtain from you, the God of all mercy, full pardon and forgiveness. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, church, go in peace. Serve the Lord. Happy Lent. We will see you on Sunday.